Support for this episode of YXC Underground comes from Rob Romvi and his team at RBC Dominion Securities in North Battleford. If you are looking for someone to manage and take care of your money, you should meet Rob and his team. Our goal um, is to bring in the services as much as we can to patients and families. Um, they let us journey with them. And I think that that's the one thing ultimately is patients and families will dictate what they want. And we are just privileged if we're invited into that journey that we get to be beside them and kind of walk that journey with them. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Kristen Hubick, who works at the hospice at Glengarda. She is one of three people you will meet as we take you inside the hospice in Season 6, Episode 5 of YXE Underground. The final days and moments of a person's life can be uncomfortable subjects for people to think about, let alone discuss with others. But what I discovered by spending a morning at the hospice at Glengarda, Saskatchewan's first standalone hospice, is that there is so much room for light, laughter, and gratitude when the end is near. What I also discovered is how much work it takes from very dedicated and caring staff to ensure those streams of light make their way into the hospice. You are about to meet some of those people as we take you inside the hospice at Glengarda. In January of 2021, the hospice at Glengarda opened on a quiet residential street in Saskatoon's Exhibition neighbourhood. The hospice has 15 private rooms and is designed for patients requiring end-of-life care. The story of how the hospice went from idea to reality is really amazing and one we covered a few weeks ago in a bonus episode of the podcast featuring Lucina Hickey, CEO of the St. Paul's Hospital Foundation. I strongly encourage you to give it a listen if you haven't done so already as Lucina tells the story so well. The hospice is making a difference in the lives of many families in our community. When I posted on Instagram that I would be visiting the hospice, a listener named Darlene Blanche reached out to say how thankful she was for the care her mother had recently received at the hospice. I asked Darlene if she would be willing to share her feelings for this episode. She said yes and sent me this voice note. My family and I were able to receive the blessings and the benefit of the hospice at Glengarda this last fall as my mom moved towards the end of her life. The Months leading up to when she was at Glengarda were a time where we were caring for her ourselves. She was in a private care home, but she required um, a lot of care and care that far exceeded what they were able to do at the care home. So my sisters and myself were um, caring for her and loving her. And um, it was a beautiful time. But it was depleting, and it was it was long. It was long. Her process um, was her own process, and um, she definitely took her time as she transitioned from this this world to the next. And we were blessed that she was moved and able to be at the hospice at Glengarda during the last week of her life, and I can describe that time as relief, as comfort, and I feel so blessed that we were able to um, have that week where the staff, 
the facility, everything and everyone is set up just to guide people through this palliative stage. The facility is beautiful. The staff is trained um, in all the things that they need to know, including creating the environment that people need as they move towards when end of life. Um, the environment doesn't feel sterile or like a hospital. It's really very beautiful. And I'm so blessed that we were able to be in the care of the staff there, or my mom was able to be in the care of the staff there, although the staff does take care of the families well too, um, so that we can just um, just be in the process as she as she passed instead of worrying about taking care of her and what she needs and administering medications and stuff. We were able to just be present and really be there for our mom in a way that would not have been possible or would not have been the same if we weren't at the hospice and had people and that organization taking such great care of us and our mom. Darlene, thank you for sharing your experiences and emotions for this episode. Now, I must admit that before I stepped foot in the hospice at Glengarda, in my mind, this was going to be a very serious and perhaps solemn interview because, you know, we're going to be talking about death and dying. Well, that quickly changed when I met Robin Stahl, Kristen Hubeck, and Monique Blom. My name is Robin Stahl, and I am the site lead here at Hospice, and I get the great job of leading this amazing team here. I am Kristen Hubeck. I am uh, the social worker here, um, and I've also just been added on to my position as manager of patient and family relations. Um, so basically... I get the privilege of working with patients, families, our wonderful team, and we will talk a little bit later, but get to oversee our holistic care staff and one day develop some more programs that we're excited to tell you about. My name is Monique Blom. My role is the Creative Arts Coordinator. As I mentioned off the top, there is so much light and energy and laughter in this space, and I feel so grateful to have spoken with Robin, Kristen, and Monique together as they have this amazing chemistry. They gave my photographer and friend Molly Shikoski and I a tour of the hospice and made us feel so welcomed. I maybe asked five or six questions over the span of our two hours together, which is wonderful because, as you are about to hear, they fed off of each other's energy and traded stories with one another that illustrate the importance and significance of their work. The tour they gave us was very unique. They wanted to place us in the shoes of a person who was arriving into the hospice, which is why Monique asked if I would lay down on the floor of the back entrance. That's because when a person arrives at the hospice, they enter on a stretcher through the back door. As you will hear, this back entrance is a very special space. From there, we visit one of the spa rooms, the main floor kitchen, and the smudge room. We weren't able to go inside one of the patient rooms as they were all full, but we do talk about what the rooms look like and why paying attention to the little things is so important to patients and families. Okay, on with the tour. The sound you are about to hear is me getting on the floor, lying on my back, and telling Monique, Kristen and Robin, what I see, as if I was a patient first arriving to the hospice. No, I should, I should ask you first. Um, what do you if, see? Yes, like what, if you could. No, you what tell you us. See? What do you? Oh, see? what do I see? So, so let's. You want to <laughs> so I'd like to know what you see as you enter in these doors. Okay. So, so this is. Sure that you were on a bed. Okay. Oh gosh. Okay. So. 
Okay, so I'm. <laughs> okay, so okay. I'm gonna lay. I'm gonna lay down. We wouldn't. We wouldn't put a patient on the ground like this. We're no. he's in a gurney right now. Yeah. Okay. So I'm laying down. A bed. We're role playing. Okay. okay. Role playing. Okay. So I'm in. A, I'm on a bed. So you've entered into hospice with your family. Okay. I've entered into hospice with my family, and I see. I see trees around me. I see lights. Um, I see like a. I guess like a, almost like a sun or a flower blooming. Um, I what I don't see are like harsh, um, like um, fluorescent lights or anything like that that you might see in a in a hospital or something like that. I feel like this is like a welcoming space. Yeah, I I feel like I'm being welcomed into a space that is inviting and that wa that wants me here. Is right. that the is that the right answer? Yeah, that's that's the perfect right answer. answer. Okay. And I I think that's what was envisioned for this space when you first enter, um, whether it's someone's home, you get a feeling right away. You get a feeling and you smell the smells, and we want for patients and family to really feel like this is where they want to be, and and that this is going to be a good experience for them. Why is that important? I think it just goes back to, um, I think it goes back to what our vision is here. And our vision is that, kind of like I said before, we are, you know, a home away from home. And so the biggest piece is, is that when someone comes into hospice, we can't imagine what journey that they have been. They've gone through the system. It can be positive, it can be negative. And when they make a decision to come into hospice, I think the biggest piece that we want is to meet them where they're at. Sometimes they're accepting of where they're at in their journey, and sometimes they're not. But I think that that's the piece what Monique's trying to bring in is that the journey that they come through these doors is a piece of magic yeah. and and if I can just add to that um, a lot of times when we have patients come here it could have just been two days ago that that patient and their family was faced with a decision to make and up until two days ago they were going to do everything they could and then you know, we have a team meeting and goals of care are, are established. That's not always easy, and it's done in such a short amount of time sometimes. So that acceptance, um, everyone's at a different place. So we don't want it to look like an institution when you come in, that this is just like you've been discharged from hospital and you're coming home. And I think Monique can really speak even deeper to this piece and what she envisioned. It's not a finished space yet. Uh, next stage will be clouds that go from here all the way to there and maybe up. We're still trying to figure that piece of it out, but the clouds are fantastic. So in thinking about what we, how we wanted to approach this, the idea was from the onset of hospice that patients would come in the front door and they would leave out of the front door because we don't what was the rationale behind that? I think that we wanted to honor the patients that they come through the front door because we're very, 
we want to focus on pride and focus on that coming into hospice. Um, it's, I guess, how you interpret it. Yes, someone has a terminal illness, and yes, we don't know when they're going to pass away, but they're here to live still. And so part of the thought process of having them come through the main doors was um, because when they go to the hospital, they go through the side door, they go through the back door. It's very impersonalized and and not to knock that system because that's how they are able to navigate that. Uh, Unfortunately, though, just with our ramp and having six months of winter, um, the logistics yeah. of having a stretcher come up around that, it's, it's very slippery and it just, it's not, because a lot of our patients come on a stretcher or wheelchair. So it's, it's easier for them to get through the back. So that's where Monique has been able to just revamp it and change it. And I think it's a really important thing to think about with every entrance and exit that you make. And when you think about this as being your last entrance or our patient's last entrance, What did that look like before? Well, it looked like you were coming in through a back alley into a space that was very, it was institutional and dark. And with the support of leadership, trusting that, okay, you just try, see what you can do. We started the project of revamping this space. So from entrance to exit, you are being honored. You come into the space, there is this moment of, oh, there's some magic. Sometimes they don't even realize it. Sometimes they do. And as you leave the space, the same way you came in, there's still magic because you were leaving into a set of circumstances that was different than when you came. It's your first and your last entrance, I guess. Where where did you get the idea for for all of this? Like, in, in terms of, like... Like, um, I, I did my best to describe it, but, like, you could do it better than I could. But, like, the, the wallpaper and the and the lights, and, and you have a wand. What does the wand do, Monique? <laughs> Everybody questions, how weird it... The wand turns the lights on, of course, yeah. just like in Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> uh, the idea came from a staff, just talking with staff and talking with patients' families. What is it that we really want to create? What kind of environment? And... I think the consensus was, let's bring the land, I mean, let's bring the land in. They're leaving a landscape that they've grown up in. Let's bring them back to the landscape. And in that landscape, what kind of meaning could, you know, be created in that? I don't know if you know the story of, a, I think it's the, the 1001 cranes. So it's a story from Japan about a young lady who... She comes down, I think it's either her or her father come down with a terminal illness. I've just heard bits and pieces of this. The idea is that she wanted to make a 1,001 cranes before her, it was either her father died or she died. And so what we're doing right now is making a crane for each patient that we've had, and they'll eventually hang through the whole space as well. So as you come in, you'll be guided by those that have come before. When you leave, they will take you out in the same way. That's, I, I don't, I don't know how to, that's, there's so much power behind that. I think that's it's, amazing. well, I think it's our patients that bring the power, right? Yeah. It's everybody that walks through this space. And as a staff, we've been able to, every element of visual that we've brought into the space, you know, I might have the craziness to dream it up for a moment, but as a staff, we come together and we say, no, this is, this is going to work for us. This isn't going to work for us. This might be too much, it might not be enough. And so we're always testing those boundaries. And I think as we go into 
you know, as the place evolves, as, as hospice evolves and as our care evolves, we're going to look at how to bring that visual in for more of our patients' experience. Is it nice to work in a space uh, within an organization where, where you are given, like, are, are empowered to evolve, to try things and see what works and, and then see how you can improve? Is, is that nice for you? It's an artist's dream. <laughs> this is like my dream space yeah. forever yeah. because I'm always, I've always been supported in that crazy, yeah. but that crazy isn't crazy when you look at it in life and death yeah. extremes, right? And so with dying, like Kristen said earlier, like we want everyone's experience here to, like we live to the last breath. And so to create a space that's always alive and always animated, but also creates a space of peace and rest, which you'll see when we go to the smudge room, there's a place to just go inward. But from your first onset, this is scary. It's your last entrance into a building and you know what you're coming here to do. So why not make it a little bit of fun? If you can turn the, if you can turn your Harry Potter lights on, what are they called in Harry Potter? You know, you know what's funny is I, I watched- We do that in what? Yes. Um, Expel yes. not because that's I, like taking their wand. I, I watched um, I watched Half Blood Prince, Deathly Hollows One, and Deathly Hollows Two on Sunday, like consecutively. Um, I was really productive that day, and I should know this, and yet I don't. Luminous. Yes. <laughs> Luminous. Yes. So Voldemort is hiding in the basement. It's going to be up to you to go and make that happen. Whatever that happens. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. It's it's some it's something simple, and yet it it is warm and inviting and there's so and there's so much care and thought behind it. I just think that's great. That's what this place is. It's care and thought. The only thing that we want to do that we haven't had the opportunity to do yet is lift the ceiling off of the entire building and make a glass so that patients can watch the clouds and the stars. That's something that's missing here. When you come in at nighttime, these little lights flicker and it does look like stars. I will say, though, none of this would be possible without the the money that was raised by the community and the St. Paul's Hospital Foundation. In, you know, when you look at working in the hospital, there are a lot of constraints and um, there's budget and and sometimes it's tough to be able to live out these dreams. And here I feel like we've got the support, we've got the resources that we can just dream big and you know, coming from working in the hospital setting for many of years before this, I can say, like, it's very exciting. And we've got the best team here to live that out. So we just want to keep keep coming up with new ideas and, and ways that we can improve. And I think that's the exciting piece is that coming from a different setting, we don't have to be in the box here. And we can think outside of the box and the sky's the limit for what we can imagine. And being the first freestanding hospice in Saskatchewan, we don't have prints of what that looks like. And I think that's the exciting piece for us is that there's not limits. And um, I think we really rely on our staff and our patients and families for feedback and we continue to grow and develop and get better.
So on a tour, when someone would come through the doors, then the next step would be going into a patient's room. And um, usually we will have a, a little welcome sign on the front door um, and just get them situated into bed and comfortable. Um, and then our nurse would sit with patient and family once settled to kind of do the admission process and things like that. So they come into a, they come into a room that's got a handmade quilts. It's got, um, we've addressed all the windows in such a way that, do they like light? Do they not like light? Do they like music? Do they not like music? So we talk to the family before they come in and get a feel for what would make them the most comfortable and most relaxed when they come into the space. And we try and accommodate the room to be as such. Do they like noise? Do they not like noise? It's, you know, it's it, investment in those small things again that just make the experience and the transition so much more... I do think that's a big piece of it is that there's a lot of work that goes into it before we even have someone come here. We want to get to know them and their family and, you know, where they're at and things they've enjoyed. Where did they come from? So if we can do that research before they've come, we can do things in the room to make it feel like home and make them feel like their family here so you know there's we've had um, some people come and we know what their favorite song is that music is everything to them and then we can pull that in and we can have music playing when they come in and just like it would be if they were entering their own home colors color is a big piece of it too what color do they like and can we bring flowers in for that? Can their bedding be that? Just, again, that little moment where it's your home. We recognize you. And one of the questions that I always like to ask family before their loved one comes is, if there's one or two things that you could tell me um, about your loved one um, so I can share that with the care team, what would that be? So the first thing that usually comes is like medical pieces and that's great, you know, we've got that information but then it's going a little deeper than that and I think that that's the piece is that sometimes um, when someone is journeying through the system, whether they have to go through treatments or things like that, it's just, it's so hectic and it they don't get a lot of times just to stop and actually pause and think about that, you know, and so I'll just kind of go into a little, a little bit more and say, you know, about personality, about things, because you guys are the experts of your loved one, and we, you need to tell us, and so it's like, we want to meet you and your loved one where they're at in this journey, and again, it's not always rainbows and sunshine you know and a lot of times it is that transition period where it gets really difficult for them um, but if there's something that we can know as a care team our care partners are amazing at l making them feel so comfortable when they first come and they do those extra little touches of putting that music on the tv or they know someone likes sports changing it to that sports channel um, so Again, it's that collaboration as a team that we all try to work together. And I think that's what makes it, I think, successful. And we continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I look at some of the things that we have done. For example, we had a birthday party for um, tw these twin boys that um, were here. And 
it was so important to the patient that you know that took place and they were able to experience that and the holistic team will go in and ask what do you like so we knew they liked hockey and we knew that background and so we were able to just make a very special event here for them as you can see we've got the fireplace in here to help keep you warm and we've got a blanket warmer right in here so from from start to finish you get that spa um, experience um, and then it's just dependent on what each patient wants some people don't like to have long baths some people love to sit in the bath and so family members will come in and sit with them just for safety um, and they sit and soak and whether they listen to music or watch TV um, we, we try to just make it exactly how they want it this might seem like something I, th I think a lot of people take for granted but wh why why is this such an important space? And, and, and Kristen touched on it a little bit, but like for for a, a patient coming in, why why is having you know like I'm looking around the room and there's warm colors. There's obviously a fireplace here. Like it feels like home in here. And why is that important? I think what I would say to that is that is our whole goal here at hospice. If you know you had that goal of being able to die at home and that's no longer going to be a possibility, what can we do here to make it feel like home? So whether it's, you know, having this amazing tub and being able to relax in here, or it's smelling fresh baked buns, we really try to do um, what each family and patient, you know, try and hear their story and I know the holistic team looks for ways just to go out and do special things for that patient and family that um, gives them an experience that they would never get anywhere else. Um, really tries to get to know that family, where they're from, what their roots are and how we can bring that to reality here. Um, for some it's they wanted to go home one last time, how can we take them home without them actually going home. So Monique is doing a lot of work right now with um, being able to um, go to their home and do videos and make it like they're actually at home. So we're just kind of in the preliminary stages of that and she can maybe tell you a little more about that after, but we are always looking for new ways that we can make the experience here I don't want to say better because it's amazing, but really looking deep at what does this family and patient need because we look at it as um, a special time, a like, you know, the last moments you have with your loved one and what's going to make that the best experience for them. What, what do you hear specifically about this room? What do you hear from, from patients and families in terms of, of feedback? Like when they first come in here? Well, I, I know when doing some of the tours and families get to see this, that's the one thing some, you know, there, there are tears sometimes in the eyes because they think of that their loved one has not been able to have a bath for two years. And, you know, we, we obviously here to address the medical needs, but I think our team prides ourselves in addressing the spiritual, the emotional needs. And, you know, for an example, when we have a patient who 
is having issues with pain, but there's just more distress, and maybe it could be more of a emotional distress. Sometimes just having them come into a bath at three in the morning when our care partners have been so lovely to do that, it just helps them um, find a calmer waters. I have a funny story when we talk about what do patients do. So we had a patient uh, a while back that never said that he was a bath man. He said, I'm not going to go in the bath. And so finally, the staff persuaded him, okay, let's try one bath. Well, after that, that was it. <laughs> so I remember coming in every like few days in the morning, and I'd be walking by to go downstairs to my office, and I hear the rock coming out of here. Like It's like 20 to 8 in the morning, and like hard rock just blaring. And I'm like, Oh, that's so-and-so enjoying his bath. But it's just those little things that are such big things. You know, um, at the end of life, a lot of times our patients don't have a lot of control over things. And this is one thing that we find that they can actually have a little bit of control in and have some autonomy to do something that might make their day. I, I was just thinking of the word autonomy. and and. The ability to, to still exercise that in your last days must be so meaningful for people. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest piece is that when we go in to see a patient and their family, we meet them where they're at and they let us lead. We are just here to provide tools and help enhance that piece. Um, and I think with our holistic care staff, our nursing team, we try to collaboratively work together to it's like a big arms wrapping around the patient and families. Monique, may I ask you a question about this space? Like when, when, you, when you look at this space, what goes through your mind? It's a fabulous space and I think that patients really enjoy the use of it. Um, for those that don't like baths, we have a shower system in their rooms. So it's not necessarily that everybody comes in and bathes. There's also that facility. I think it's geared towards a really, really nice experience, but again, this is one of those places that I don't spend a lot of time with patients, so I don't, yeah. I can't really speak to yeah. it. Yeah. 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 We also have some boundaries. Yes. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I think it's, I find it fascinating that this is one of our selling, like the, the features that people look forward to when we do a tour. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's just strictly because of that relaxation piece or... Yeah. I think we can even go deeper than that. I think sometimes when families see this room and, you know, they're, they're really struggling at home, they, they feel this pressure in their heart that they need to do what their loved one wants, and that's to stay at home, and they hit a point where they just can't anymore. And I feel like when they come here, it's almost like that realization that they're in a good place and I can rest for a minute so that I can better take care of them. I can spend those moments the way they need to be spent, and someone else is going to take over for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, Then I can speak to that piece of it, too. The realization that happens when people come in and see this room is they realize how hard it really is to be at home caring for their loved one. Because when you see what it takes to bring a patient into here and you see the apparatus, you see how many people it takes to actually bathe a person in a safe and comfortable way, I think as a caregiver, you kind of wake up to, I'm doing all this on my own. Yeah. Uh, this is hard work. And so the fact that there's a team that can come in and do this speaks to what Robin and Kristen have said about, it. it you know, I can be 
I can be family again. I can be, I can care for my mom or my dad or my son in a way that is in a... In a more meaningful way, yeah, I think. Yeah, that, yeah. And, it, and it's okay. Yeah. Just knowing yeah. that it's okay. At the end of the day, they can change back into being that family member, not the caregiver. And I think sometimes it's hard for them to let go of that. But when they do, um, and they can get some rest and come back and just spend that whatever time it is, that's, I think, the big difference. And that's why these pieces are just so huge for our families. listening to season six episode five of YX Underground. My name is Eric Anderson and we are taking you inside the hospice at Glengarda in this episode. You can listen to YXC Underground wherever you find your podcasts including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods or the website yxeunderground.com. Search YXC Underground on social media to see some wonderful photos from this episode taken by award-winning photographer Molly Shikoski. The kitchen is often the hub of a person's home. How many times have you been into a house party and by the end of the night you're in the kitchen, surrounded by friends, sharing stories and eating something delicious? Well, it turns out the two kitchens at the hospice at Glengarda are hubs for joy, creativity and plenty of meaning as well. Robin, Kristen and Monique couldn't wait to get Molly and I into the main floor kitchen and share some really powerful stories. And touch on a subject I had not considered asking about, which is the role of children in the hospice. After the kitchen, we ended our tour in the smudge room, which you will discover holds a great deal of significance to patients and families. All right, let's head to the kitchen. We have two kitchens uh, on each floor. And so what it has been designed for is for patients and families. Um, So when they come in, um, they have access if they want to do some cooking, if they want to bring food in, if they're going to stay here, they are able to have access to that like their home. And I think that that is one thing that I think that the heart of any home is the kitchen. And I think this is where the magic is. It is, you know, I think that when we have our holistic care baking or making a pot of soup or making buns or we have family coming out and start actually baking for the team and it feels like it's just this big family Um, but this is where I feel like when some you know family come out to get a cup of tea or a coffee and there's baking going on that's when the stories are shared and that's when I think things liven up and um it's not sitting and doing counseling one-on-one it's sitting in a kitchen and just having conversation and the ability to have family from different rooms come together and actually start just talking about who they're here you know with and their experiences I think that's more powerful than anything else. Kristen does that does that happen um I know this word gets used too much, but organically, or, or, or are there like, are there set times or programs when things happen? Like how, how does it happen when families just like, how do you get them in the kitchen? So it, it's a combination. So with our holistic care staff, we'll take you on, uh, we'll show you, but um, there is programming. So our, our uh, life enhancement, Jacqueline, does an amazing job with creating set times throughout the month to um, just have 
be prepared and organized. So sometimes it's baking, sometimes it's flower arrangements here in the kitchen. Um, but then the other piece to it is just a spur of the moment. Sometimes, sometimes it's Monique feels like she wants to bake something. And, but it's like grabbing, and that's like, what other job could you go to and be like, I just want to bake today. But it's more than that. And that's those sometimes when it's not planned, when you just throw some cookies in and you're, you have a mess here. And that's when families come and it's relatable. It's their house. Kitchens are supposed to be messy. Or a patient comes in and they just want a burger. Like that's all they want. We can make that happen. Um, and also we have families that will come in and they'll make supper every day. And if I'm here late and it's smelling good, then we get into conversation. <laughs> I think that you should you, um, share the story of the cinnamon buns with our one patient. First, I'm going to speak to kids. The best time in the kitchen is when we have kids. And what we have here is a cupboard full of different treats. Sugar sugar in many different forms and so it's more comfortable isn't it uh we'll you know depending on how many kids are here it'll be one of us will just spur of the moment say okay you know it's time to start cooking or start you know they'll, i'll ask okay you guys you're painting or you're doing something do you guys want to bake something and they're like yeah and we go down that little rabbit hole of, well, what kind of baking would you do well my mom would never let me or <laughs> I think we should try or grandma really likes and so if grandma really likes a cookie we'll start with a chocolate chip cookie usually and we'll put what the ingredients say and then we'll add a little bit more because grandma needs a little bit more and then grandpa's going to need some too and by the end you end up with a chocolate chip chocolate chip <laughs> the cookie part leaves yeah. but that freedom that kids are given to explore and wonder and play here is something that I think is contagious through the whole building because once kids start giggling and laughing and getting a little bit unruly here that energy goes through the whole building and yeah and then as soon as kids you know the, the, the cookies are baked or the muffins are baked whatever it is they want to run them around and like give them to the different patients and we you know temper that with a little bit of privacy issues and stuff like that but it's that's the biggest part of they get comfortable around dying people and they don't even realize that's you know it's a very normal process yeah. of well yeah they're living they're dying it doesn't really matter they get a cookie or they get a chocolate chip filled chocolate chip whatever it is yeah. I, I have to say that the thought of kids baking cookies and then handing them out to patients was not something that crossed my mind in in preparing to come here and ask you three questions but like what a that's an amazing visual like that's just in my mind right now like that, that's that's amazing um I don't know if there's a question about that I, that I just think that that's that's really wonderful you'll have to come and experience it yeah. and I think that that's I think that Monique just completely nailed that um around like the journey of kids and their experience about um Whoever they're coming, if it's mom or if it's dad that is is dying, or it's grandma or grandpa, it's um, I think the culture that we have today about death and dying is will continue to evolve it. But I think we have a a, a long journey still of um, adapting that into little people and teaching them that it's going to be hard and you're going to have tears and you're going to be sad but it's okay to 
be on this journey and be part of this journey. So I think that that's a piece that we have this vision that, you know, will continue to grow into this place, but um, trying to start small and teaching them that when they look back, that they don't have this fear of, of death and they will feel sad, but they have lots of good memories related to that. And I think that's what we're trying to establish. And it, it extends beyond building, right? So when they come back to this building, and we've had patients, um, granddaughters, grandsons, we've had little people, that's what I'll call them. We've had kids come back and they're excited to come in the building. What do we have next for a treat? What do we have next for an experience? What do we have next for, you know, like they're not coming in fearing anything yeah and I think we try where's Monique today (laughs) I think the part that that I get most excited about is that we're also trying to bring that into adults so the kitchen is that area where you can do that you can create a little bit of chaos happening here like both Kristen and Robin have said you know it's home so there's that chaotic element but then there's this experience of life and just purely relationship and getting to know one another and laughter and sadness it's all it's it's all in one but it's we're all doing something together to build community in a way that only we can do here the favorite story that i have of this space exactly where we're sitting um we had a patient patient who was famous in her block for making cinnamon buns and my whole life i've always wanted to learn to make cinnamon buns it's not a skill set that i'm good at until now so she came out and she taught us as a crew, like the whole staff, okay, this is my cinnamon bun recipe. Well, she trusted you with the recipe first. <laughs> she trusted me with that the recipe I don't first. think the family at that point had the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a big thing. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so part of her legacy was her and I were working on a recipe book for her kids. And part of that was having to trust me with the cinnamon bun recipe. But I thought, you know what? Would you be able to come and teach us how to do it? Because it seemed like the right kind of activity for all of us to do. And so she came out and at that point only had um, one arm that she could use. And so if you know anything about cinnamon bun making, and hers in particular, it's not making. So she enlisted the help of her husband who had never in their 60 years of marriage stepped foot in the kitchen. (laughs) And never really, I shouldn't say that, I don't know if that's true, but didn't know how to make the cinnamon buns. And so husband and wife sat side by side here and she she ripped the dough, dipped it in the margarine, and then gave it to him to tie into knots. And watching the two of them was the most amazing experience ever because not only did we as a staff benefit from that experience, but we also got to watch their kids come in and their jaws dropped at seeing mom and dad working together like that. The cinnamon buns were baked. They were the best things we have ever had in our entire life. <laughs> we also, in that same time period, I guess within, within a year, uh, the husband came to stay with us. So wife passed, husband came to stay with us. One of the gifts that even though he was beyond eating at this point, one of the gifts that we did as a staff is we made those cinnamon buns for him. And you could smell it through the whole hospice. And the kids knew what we were doing. Nobody ever really mentioned what we were doing, but it was just our gift of saying thank you for being part of this. And this is, this is what this space does for us. I, I was going to ask this question later on, but I'm, I'm just going to ask it now. Because that's like, you, 
all three of you have been sharing some really powerful stories. How, like, when when moments like that happen, how do you, like, how do you, how do you keep it together? Or do you? Or do you do you, like? Is it is it overwhelming? I guess is what I'm asking. When you have those those truly heartfelt tender meaningful moments and and you're witnessing it and there's only like it's i feel like it's a very it's a very private and intimate moment but you get to witness it because of the work that you do in the crease that the the space that you have created what what is that like for you three i think those moments are so profound and it really speaks to that you're here to live you're here to live the best quality of life that you can in your final days. And that's where we don't try and look at it as you're here to die. You're here to live. And whatever you feel you need and want on those last days of life, we're living it here. You asked how we felt in those moments. Do we crack? (laughs) If we do, it's personally because it's not our space. We just help facilitate that space. We help create a space of relationship for people to have those moments. But you take a step back. I mean, professionally, that's what you have to do. Personally, of course, your heart breaks into a million pieces and you feel like you're just, like, so privileged. And it is. It's it's gratitude and honouring and grace and dignity. We get to experience all of that in that moment. But you never, you can't make it about you, right? It's it's about them and taking a step back and, and just providing the next space so that they can continue the experience. It's not just a one-off. And as we get to know each patient and the families, if they invite us in, those moments are daily. But where it becomes most powerful is when you can take that space creation and what we've learned through our family members and bring that into the, the world outside these doors that's where you really start to see how profound, um, well, how profound life is, but how special you can make the world. And I think that's something that our patients teach us every day. That's the beauty of being able to work in a space and place like this is that you witness, you witness raw relationship very quickly. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's the best thing in the world to be able to witness, but it's also, it's not really ours to take in. It's, we're, we're here to bear witness to that and create the space for it, create the circumstance. We're lucky if we get invited in. Often we do. But again, it's about creating the next space. I think that's where our focus goes. I think in the moments that we are invited in, though, that there are times where we become vulnerable with the patient and family, and I think that's okay, too. Because it 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 sh- but it shows the the true connection that we make with that family, and that they invited us into that. And it's okay to cry with them sometimes. Um, I think that grief can be grief is messy, just like our examples of kitchens can be messy. Um, you know, I'll sometimes get the question of like. But isn't it sad to work at the hospice? Or isn't it hard? And it, it's yes, it's sad, it's hard, it's everything. And just kind of like what Robin said is that we're human. And yes, we have training. Yes, we have boundaries to try to kind of separate that piece. And sometimes they get a little blurred. You know, the biggest pieces is the empowering piece that I think that I can speak for myself and my colleagues is that when we're 
we get to be invited into that journey, it's a privilege to be part of that journey. Um, besides being born and, and birthing children, I think that this is a very intimate piece of, of life, of dying. And so when we get asked to be part of that, whether it's very involved or just minimal, it doesn't matter. Um, it's a privilege to be. And I think that all of these stories and all of these experiences that we take away from the families is they enrich our lives and they enrich our work here. This, to me, I come to, to hospice and I don't feel like I'm coming to work. Um, and I think, I don't know how many people can say that. <laughs> it's very gratifying to walk away and know that you've made a difference. And I think we can all say that we've had experiences prior to coming to hospice that weren't positive experiences. Um, you know, with, with a patient passing. And I think we can take from that and that's why we can create such a, a special place here because knowing how the grieving process went for families where there just wasn't enough time and hospital was over capacity and we do our best, but it does sometimes leave um, a negative experience and you never want for a family to always remember that. You want for the family to remember the special times and the, and the good things. I have one more. We could also talk about death and dying here. Yes. And like all the time if we want to. And it, people don't run away from it. So in the world, like we were saying earlier, it's, it's often that, you know, you, you bring up death or dying or somebody's sick. Whatever that, whatever that dialogue is, people kind of shy away from it. But here, this is what we talk about every day. And not in terms of focusing on it, but it's a safe place for people to ask those questions. What happens when you die? Well, we can't answer that, but we can explore possibilities. What does death look like? Not sure, why don't you tell us? You know, it, it's really getting into death as a character as opposed to an action. So it's a process of dying, it's a process of living, but at some point, this scary thing called death comes in, and how do we make it less scary? Can you? You can do that, you know, through faith and spirituality. You can do it through, through different uh, therapies. You can do it just through acting it out. But it's it's a safe place to have that that questioning and that that conversation. And they're tough conversations to have when you're outside of this place. But here it's. Here it's what we talk about. And each patient enters at a different point in that process. We have patients that come and they're only with us for a few hours. But it's still, those, those few hours they are with us, they, they really needed us. And we still were able to help them make it a special time. And then there's patients that are here for three months and they enjoy the activities. And it's just a completely different experience for them. And I think that that is kind of our vision and our goal as we continue to journey with the hospice is that, you know, I kind of touched upon children and um, grief and, you know, a, a quick little story. When I was little, so up till I was young adults, I was scared of death and did not want to talk about it. But it was from a culture when I was little that we didn't talk about death. I remember going to a funeral that was like a great uncle or some sorts. I don't even know who it was, but I was supposed to be standing there and no emotion and no one explained to me what an open casket was and all of that. And so 
those experiences, you know, are stepping stones to something bigger. And so working in healthcare previously to this, I got to a point where I was not as fearful of death. And it's interesting now looking, doing a 180, and this is what I'm doing, (laughs) you know. Um, But I think that that's the piece is that um, as we look to grow this place and develop relationships in the community organizations but for families to understand our community to understand what death and dying is I think that that is we've just not even scratched the surface and I hope that as we continue to develop and um, develop programs outside of here that that will just continue to highlight and enrich that culture that we need to kind of focus on with death and dying. And just to add to that, um, our education as well is focused on what we call a palliative care approach. So this is where we collaborate. It's not just within hospice. We collaborate daily with um, community palliative care and also with palliative care in the hospital. So we have daily meetings with them and we really look at you know, which patients are out in the community, where they're at, if they've gone into hospital, and we try and start the journey early so that we can provide those supports and education and we can follow them through the entire process, even up until after death into the um, bereavement stages. So as a society, we really are trying to start those conversations early and make sure that we're providing the supports at the right time, whether that's in community or in hospital or at hospice. Because I, I was curious then, it's if a, if a person is in the hospital then um, and if their space can they choose to come here then? Absolutely. So as a palliative care team, we have our physicians, our social worker, we have coordinators, um, and then myself on the meetings in the morning. And as a group, we collaborate and decide who's ready to come and whose care needs need to be here, as opposed to maybe someone's not quite ready and they're in their home, what supports can we give them there? Or they are on the palliative care unit, because they still need some medical interventions. So we really look at each patient individually and where they're at and then decide where the best place for them is. So where, where are we now? We are in our smudge room. What do you see? I see oh, I see... Well, I see a, I see a window. Well, I see like one, two, three, four, five. I see six windows, um, but there is there's like painting on it. Um, what, is, else, what else do you see? I see um, I see four chairs. I see two wooden uh, kind of side tables, and then like a, a, a bit of a bigger table. I see sweet grass um, for um, for indigenous smudging, and I see oh gosh, yeah. Um, like a, a lovely, lovely kind of like blanket and everything. Like what? Yeah. Oh, sorry. And Kleenex. Sorry. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Okay. So Monique just moved a box of Kleenex, but I wasn't sure if that was for, cause Molly's taking some photographs or if I was supposed to point it out. And it then, okay. And then Robin waved the Kleenex box of Kleenex in front of my face as if to say, Eric, say the Kleenex. Okay. There's a, <laughs> that's what I see. That's exactly. Okay. What does it feel like? 
oh, um, you know what? It's cool in here. Mm. Um, like really cool. Like you just want to hang out and have a party? Well, uh, not that kind of cool. Um, Temperature-wise, cool. Right. Um, as someone who runs pretty warm, um, I am like, my, my shoulders relaxed a bit when I walked in. Um, this is of, and, and, it, and it's very private in here. Um, I feel like there's like a sense of security in here. So can you picture a patient coming in in their bed and a group of elders coming in and um, a ceremony taking place uh, yeah. that would honor their tradition and their heritage? Can you feel any of that energy? Yeah, I can. You know what's interesting too is when you just said when a patient comes in in their bed, um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an image. That's a powerful image. Them where they're at. Yeah. So yeah. it's not getting them up in a wheelchair if they can't. We've designed it so, or the space was designed so that we could bring the full bed in, and there's enough space for elders and family to stand around, take part in the ceremony, um, honor honor the traditions that they come from. And I think it's been a really, really important space for us with some of our patients. Um, to feel safe and to feel loved and to feel seen. I was going to ask what the feedback has been like. Yeah, it's it's been good then. Yeah, we get, I mean, it's been very, very good feedback. One of the stories that we'll give you about this space is as we've been creating it, we're, we've been consulting with elders, um, and each one offers up a new way to make it more personal and more, more communal at the same time. Um, one of the spaces, or one of the... One of the advices, that's not the right way to say that. One of the recommendations was privacy. And so the blinds can come up and down. That's great. But they said, you know, like, what if the light could still come in? And that was a big piece for us because I think we focus on light here as being our guiding principle. We had a patient that came to stay with us, and his mom was a... She's a well-known artist here in Saskatoon. And after his departure, she asked if she would be able to donate a piece of artwork... And we said that we would greatly appreciate that, but we are not at this time taking artwork donations. But would she consider bringing light and color to this room? And she jumped at the opportunity because it was a way that she could honor her son, but it was also her son's... When when, When we talked about the space and we talked about it being a smudge room, the idea was that she would bring the forest to the room. And so this piece is called Chase's Forest, and it is done by the artist Kathy Bradshaw, who spent a lot of time just looking and being, and in her journey, this was part of, I, I shouldn't speak to it being part of her healing, but I think that knowing that this is here, she knows that Chase's light is guiding new patients, I guess, coming in. I don't know how to speak about it yet, because it's, it's one of those moments where you do get choked up, and you think about, like, as an artist, to lose a child, how do you how do you express that? And this is how she expressed it. And the fact that it is it is bringing meaning to so many more people in in the months and years to come that's powerful. And it's bringing again that notion of the outside in. Yeah. So yes, many of our patients can't get up and walk outside, and they miss it. And so now here's a reflection of what outside can look like. We'll bring it into you. And with the lighting, it's created the privacy that the elders had asked for. And that's something that in the last couple smudge ceremonies that we've gone through with our patients, 
the peace that comes over them in that journey or in that process is highlighted also by the movement of the sun because as the sun moves from one direction to the light will change in this room. So sometimes you'll walk in and it's green. Sometimes you walk in and it's blue. And it always seems to be the color the patient needs. It's also a space where with the privacy, um, loved ones can come and it's okay in those moments to be vulnerable because a lot of times our, our loved ones feel like I have to stay strong for everyone. But you know what? They also need moments where they can just let it all out and this room will allow that. And whether it's them in here by themselves, just taking a few moments or one of us in here with them, it just provides a space where they can just let it all out. Um, this morning has been just incredible and incredibly powerful. And, and I, I am so grateful for you three for inviting Molly and I into this space and, and sharing so many powerful stories and, and, and like make, make, at least in my mind anyways, Molly, I won't speak on your behalf, but like, um, making me think about like, Nick, you said, um, death, not as an action, but as a character, like that's gonna, that's gonna stick with me for a long, long time. So thank you for that. But all of you made me think about things that I hadn't really thought of before. And um, um, it's incredible work that all three of you are doing. And I, and I feel so lucky um, that I was, we were able to come here. And I know, I know, Robin, it took logistically a lot of work to get us here. And we had like Zooms and like you were writing notes beforehand. And I think you rocked it. And like, you know what you're, yeah, you're, all three of you are so incredibly smart and kind and caring. So was this okay for you? Was this, yeah. was this an okay experience? We no, would love great. to have you back. Okay. And I think, like, I think that this is an important piece of shedding light on death and dying. And it's a process. And I think that having opportunity to talk about it, and I think that's all we can ask. I also love that you talked to Lucina and the foundation first to kind of get an idea of how this place came to, into dream being. And we are we are three years into it now and we can tell you it was worth every ounce and every tear shed and every donation we have had nothing but support and in a in a space that honors life the way we do that support means the world to us because it it helps us bring that same care to or, you know individual care to each family in ways that that only we can do with that support I think it's really important to note, too, that um, there's not one of us part of this team that's more important than the other. We all are a very important piece, and I am so proud of the team here. I've been here for uh, three months now, and just watching our care partners and our nurses and our holistic team, and I don't want to miss anyone, the physicians, watching how everybody works together is what makes this place amazing. Like, I, I just want everyone to be seen as a big piece of that. Spoken like a good leader. <laughs> thank you three so much. And, um, and yeah, we'll be in touch for sure. But thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Episode 5, Season 6 of YXC Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. A huge thank you to Robin Stahl, Kristen Hubick, 
Monique Bohm, and the staff at the hospice at Glengarda for spending a morning with Molly and I and just sharing so much with us. It truly was an amazing experience. If you want to learn more about the hospice at Glengarda, you can visit the St. Paul's Hospital Foundation website and click on the hospice at Glengarda link. I've put a link in the show notes to the website as well. I have also put a link to my conversation with Lucina Hickey, the CEO of the St. Paul's Hospital Foundation, where she shares the story of how the hospice went from idea to reality. Lucina is amazing, and if you enjoyed this episode, I know you will love hers as well. You can listen to YXC Underground wherever you find your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or the website, yxcunderground.com. Don't forget to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Now, a few thank yous before I go. Thank you to Saskatoon photographer Molly Shikoski for taking such wonderful photos for this episode. You can see them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search YXE Underground. Thank you to my cousin, Andrew Dixon, for making the original theme music. Thank you to Saskatoon's Danger Dynamite for taking care of the website. And a big thank you to my friend, Rob Romby, and his team at RBC Dominion Securities in North Battleford for supporting this episode. Rob and his family are dear friends, and he is always so generous with his support of YXE Underground. Rob and his team have been taking care of my finances for many, many years, and I am grateful for that because if left to my own devices, I would probably spend all my money on vinyl records and Lego. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were gathered on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXC Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.